welcome to Forever Canon, the podcast where we talk about our favorite Star Wars books, snakes and break-ins and low-stakes wonderkins. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. <laughs> this week on Forever Canon, we talk about chapters 9 through 12 of Fate of the Jedi, book 4, Backlash, written by Aaron Alston, in which... These chapters, he drops he he drops people in from the past a couple of times, that I I wonder if it's like are these characters that he used in like previous series, mm-hmm. or are these people he's making up for this. We'll see as we go along, but first, bum bum bum. Previously, on Forever Canon, the Skywalkers and Solos reunite. Lackerson for Emperor, Dala for Fish Justice. Boy girl party needs chaperones. Nyathal is dead. Eight-year-old and her kitten find missing ancient android. Now, that was last week. And then it made me wonder, how long has R2 been kicking around? Oh, boy. Because he was Obi-Wan's droid. He... No? Am I wrong? He was, where the hell did he come from in episode one? Whoa, why am I having a hard time remembering this? Yeah. This is a bad start to the podcast. Shouldn't have this question. He he met 3PO right at the end. Yeah, well, that's because Anakin built 3PO. Yeah. But wasn't R2 Padme's droid? I don't think so. I think he just popped in. I don't remember. No, that's not correct. I don't remember. That can't be correct. Oh, fuck. I don't remember. Hey, episode 90X. Great. Yeah. (laughs) Don't remember the origins of R2. But when I was coming up with that stupid fake headline, I was like, hey, how old is this little robot? How long can your little gears run? He's at least 100, right? He's going to be around there. Like 80-ish? Like, for sure? For sure, 80 90? Because, like, yeah. When Anakin was 8 years old, wink, wink, special number. Mm-hmm. He was uh, building 3PO, the babysitter droid, and R2-D2 was already kicking around. So from 8 to year 0, A-B-Y, you know, the B-Y. Yeah. (laughs) Zero B-Y. That's like 40 years? Like 30, 20, 5. Like he, he, I think Anakin turns to Vader at like 32. I think it was around Jason's age. I think it was a significant age or he might have even been younger how old was oh my god do we know anything about star wars and the ages of characters they don't really tell you how many years it's been no but let's try to do some mental math before we start the actual episode apparently all right good fair enough this is good so he's eight in the first episode in the second episode he's a padawan yeah and he seems to be about like doesn't doesn't Padme say an amount of time that it's been when he's like cutting her apple and stuff? No, that's not a euphemism, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Doesn't she say like something about like, oh, when I first met you 10 years ago or something like that? I think he's around 17 or yeah. 18. And then I think it's been about five to eight years by the time Revenge of the Sith ends. Yeah, so yeah, I so think he's like twenty six to eight. Yeah, when he falls to Darth Vader, easily look upable. But let's just guess. <laughs> <laughs> so there's tw- at least twenty years now for R two. Right, 
Okay, thank you, because I was about to say, what was the point of trying to do that math? Yeah. So, yeah, that's at least 20 years, and then it's been 45, roughly, depending on whose age you go by, by the time we get to where we are now, right? Because we... Legacy of the Force was 40 ABY. That took a couple years. I think if you look in the front of this book, it says like 42. And and Luke was already... Alana goes from 6 to 8, so it could be any number and, of And at the Battle of Yavin, Luke was what, 20? Not even. I like think 18 in there somewhere? Well, that's a good question. How many years passed between Episode 4 and Episode 6? Wait, which one's the Battle of Yavin? The first Death Star. The first one. So, never mind. He was, like, for sure 18 or 17. 18, and he's, like, 70 now. Either way, R2's been kicking around for, like, 80-plus years. He's yep. he's the oldest character. Yeah, him and 3PO. Yeah. Well, Han's, like, right around there, right? Because when Luke was 18, he's 30. Old. Han is old. Yeah, and in real life, same age discrepancy... And trying to bang 17-year-old Carrie Fisher. So that's fun to connect those dots. Different times, huh? Okay. But the point being, I don't know. Don't have a point. Chapter 9. R2's old. (laughs) Yeah, and I was like, I felt so smart when I wrote Ancient Android. So that sounds like the coolest history channel show for stoners you'll ever see in your life. (laughs) Chapter 9, focus, Tim. Dollars Quarters, Coruscant. Remember Admiral Buatu? I do. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. As this is what I wanted to tie back into before we started <laughs> the chapters. As I mentioned before, throughout these chapters, Aaron Alston is sprinkling in characters from maybe the past or maybe new people for the future. But like a lot of new, not not new, New to the a lot of new to the, to the story, story yeah. to this to this fiction. <laughs> Trying to just plant that word in my head better, right. but yeah, new new to this sequence of events. People who haven't been present, you know, Nyathal came back in the beginning of this book. Here's Admiral Boatu. We get other new named people later in these chapters, and I just uh, that's worrisome. Makes me very wary. As soon as Nyathal was mentioned, she ended up. Killing herself. Yeah, like a chapter later. Like, so soon. Yeah. <laughs> well, here comes Admiral Buatu. And to, he's back here having a meeting in Dala's personal quarters to reaffirm to her that, yes, some of her armed forces want justice. But the descent is being contrived, mm-hmm. as Jack told her. It's the Moffs. And go easy on the Jedi because we need them and their, quote, as I've said many times, yep. superpowers. Yeah, that came up as soon as I read it. I was like, oh, that's going to come up. <laughs> that sounds familiar, huh? I yeah. am the Matrix. Cuckoo, cachoo. But, oh my God, you're going to use the Mandos against the Jedi, aren't you? P.S. That's kind of cool. He's not entirely mad, but he does think it's the wrong thing to do. Also, side note, he is staying the night with Dala. Yeah. Hey, because this book is hot and humid. <laughs> a bothin and a human. Just doing it. <laughs> <laughs> that is something we brought up at the beginning of the, the last, last series. series. Yeah. And I tweeted Troy Denning and, and 
Karen Travis, and his response was winky face. What? Now he said something better. I don't remember. Yeah, but it's a trap. He said yeah, it's, it's a, a trap. trap. Winky face. And guess what? He's about to hear from me again <laughs> because I've got a question. Dalla and Admiral Buatu are doing it. And that's this is it's weird. Yeah, it's weird on Earth. <laughs> yeah. You know, if any of our listeners are furries, I'm sorry to say this. That's a weird lane. Okay? Admit it. <laughs> it is Stay a weird Stay in lane. it, love it all you want, but that's a weird lane yeah. to want to put fur on your body. Maybe I'm just hairy enough as it is. But <laughs> this is, you know, guess what? If you have a galaxy full of different species... And their parts fit together. They're gonna. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I did not know Dala and Admiral Boatu were a thing. Or maybe they're not a thing, and maybe she's just doing whatever she wants, which is fine. But it seemed more like they yeah. were having dinner and personal conversation, and then she's like, I already stay in the night, right? Yeah, and it's... And she's... There's enough familiarity in this conversation where she... She mentions it a couple of times that he's so intuitive. Yeah, and, he's reading her mind. Yeah, and that it's happened continuously. Like, this has been, like, a long-running kind yeah. of relationship. I am... At least the last couple of years. I man. am floored. <laughs> I am shocked. Jedi Temple. Of course not. <laughs> nothing to say. There's nothing. Kip Durin walks into the council chambers to find Jaden Core. On Space Skype, another person who's been kind of not around gets brought in on Zoom chat. Yep. And he's talking about the Black Sun, a pirate organization that's been disappeared for many years. Blip. Another little drop in the pond. Aaron Alston just is like sprinkling all kinds of shit from the past over the top of this little cupcake here. Yep. You know, at least four chapters. I like the mention of Prince Zizer, though. That was cool. Yes. The Black Sun is making a resurgence, and it has to do with a cult of Prince Zizor, which is him specifically, I remember, the Black Sun and Prince Zizor being a big deal in across many books in the X-Wing series. Yep. Written by, some of them, Aaron Alston. Also Michael A. Stackpole and I think a couple of other writers, but I know he wrote a bunch. Mm-hmm. Here he is bringing back his favorite shit from the past because, I don't know, people want it, right? I liked it. Yeah, I dug it. <laughs> At the same time as being like, this is a little, it might be, I don't know, a little indulgent or whatever. I don't know how it's going to fit into the story, all these people that you're bringing back and, and jamming in. So far, interestingly, the parts fit together. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I just I like the Black Sun thing. I like the Prince Zizor thing. I like the little drop of a hint about he's assumed dead. Ooh. And if any little piece of him survived, he could be cloned because it's the space future. Yeah, because yeah, it's space time. I don't know. What else do you know about the Black... What do you know about the Black Sun and Prince Sizor? What do you know? What have you ever read them in? Or what do you remember? Uh, I know that they... I say this because I remember very little. Yeah, powerful enough that they can do um i think one in the han solo trilogy one of the 
rival hut clans. He's actually powerful enough to get this super expensive poison to kill Jabba's aunt. Oh yeah. And it's it's like a drug that they introduce over time and they just suddenly take it away and she goes through withdrawals and dies. Right, right. Um and that he That's nice. <laughs> it's such a massive organization organization that scares some of the huts he can afford like a multi-million dollar droid i i remember yeah right he's got like an xd droid yeah this like girl that's an assassin i remember um them being at war with some other pirate faction that email us at forever cannon podcast at gmail.com if i'm wrong the other the their anti Thetical faction had was led by some lady with a red mask or something. Yeah, does that sound familiar? That at all? does sound familiar. Right, crimson something, something. Either way, they've been around in the Star Wars lore of the expanded universe, which no longer exists, for a long time. And here he is bringing them back. Yeah, I don't remember a lot of specifics, but what if they're going to be a big deal? Maybe they'll be a part of fighting Avaloth. Yeah. Who knows? We may never <laughs> speak of her again. Yeah. <laughs> but never mind Jaden Kaur. Hang up on his Skype. That conversation's over. Oh, my God. Maybe pirates. You find out more information about that. You don't even have any evidence. Next person up. A, a new Jedi. Yeah. A person I've never heard of. Maybe they. Maybe Aaron used him in the NJO or, or something. I don't know. But his name is Jedi Sothes Sar. Sar. Yeah, two Sa- A's. So- Sothes Sar. And he tells the council they're not doing enough to stop slavery across the galaxy. But we find out, or did we find this out before? I think we did. That they are readying Stealth X to go fight the Sith somewhere, wherever they are. Uh, that's just after this. No, that's right here. Yeah, but just after this conversation about the slavery, that they they talked to Kip, and Kip's like, "Are the stealth axes ready?" Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I don't know if they brought it up before that. I think but... I think they did because uh, I think it was at the end of the last one, at the end of the last episode. But anyways, they 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 are getting all the stealth axes ready to go try to help Luke and also find the Sith and destroy them because don't you isn't that yeah, what you do? Because Sith bad, like Dathomir. Aha. Lake, comma, Dathomir. See? See what I did there? At a lake on Dathomir. <laughs> it was like way longer. It was like <laughs> Redgill Hill Lake. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. Suck it. <laughs> it's a long lake, location. Dathomir. Ben's a little scared of Sith and he hates cliches. Luke's big plan so far is to make breakfast. A tribe member comes and tells them about today's Olympics. And now they have a riddle competition. Also, you must all compete. Pick an event. You all have to prove yourself yeah. to us at the Olympics. To gain our tr- our respect. Oh, cut to Luke running the 100 meter dash while Ben and Vistara have a contentious chat about her lies or not lies as she annoyingly logic circles him through conversation. Yep. Two teenagers just testing their beliefs against one another. But why? Why why are we having this conversation? Because 
the thought ha- the thought that Ben has why we're having this conversation is because he wants to understand what why she lied about all those things to gather information about the Sith. Mm-hmm. But why are we having this test of wills between these two characters? They're around the same age, and yeah, and he th- he thinks she's. We're gonna. Yeah. What we're doing is we're starting to connect these two characters. Yeah, we're having them measure their thoughts against each other. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a get to know you kind of process with a with a, <laughs> a different twist. Because, yeah, you know Ben hates the Sith, which yep. she is. Yeah, I, he find. I think underneath the anger. And like just the mistrust of her, mm-hmm. he finds uh, after this he finds her answers interesting because he realizes that she's not actually lying. Well, as she talks him through the circles, and yeah. she's like, "Well, I didn't say I'm not a Sith. I just said I'm raining leaves now." Blah blah blah. Yeah, I didn't say I. Uh, what what was it? I didn't say I don't know. Whatever, you know. Yeah. The the sequence of things that he says are lies, she proves are not entirely lies, but isn't that so the Sith way, right? But between these two, bantering back and forth, measuring each other, Ben is the stereotype of the uh, honest, innocent, sheltered boy, mm-hmm. which he's very much not. Not at all. But in this scenario, that's the role that he fills, right? And Vistara seems more the stereotype of the over-experienced cool girl with, like, a leather jacket or something. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> or she's, like, she thinks he's a dork. Yeah. But she's going to, I don't know, teach him how to be cool. I Like, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I, you can just tell the two of them being paired up here psychologically is not for nothing. Yeah, it's definitely going to come into... Um, they're going to play off each other a lot more. It's going to develop up. into its own thing between the two of them. Like, whatever yeah. whatever it's going to be, they're going to have some sort of this contentious relationship. Yeah. Like, almost as if telling us we're connecting these two together because she's not going anywhere. You know what I mean? Like, we've introduced this new main character into this book series... And I'm going to tie her to somebody important. Yeah. Specifically one person, right? And uh, like you said, they're the same age. They're two teenagers trying to make it in a world full of powerful force users. Yeah. And prove themselves to be worthy of uh, whatever respect and power that they dare to try to achieve. Yeah. And if if you run a parallel to real life, most of the time when you're comparing yourself you're not comparing yourself to someone older on a higher level you're trying to see where you fit yeah exactly and here's someone that's on as far as he's concerned the complete opposite side that he's trying to see where he also in this weird scenario where it's like a ceasefire (laughs) yeah like we've agreed to halt hostilities between the jedi and the sith because we're babysitting this boy girl party Mm -hmm. you know it's an it's a unique opportunity for them to have this conversation instead of attacking each other with lightsabers. Yeah, which is what happened last time. And so again, 
why do these two get this opportunity to have this conversation instead of Luke? You know, Luke only got the battler. Mm-hmm. No, Leia and Han haven't gone to doctor at all, been involved at all with the Sith side of the thing. So why is it Ben? Because the two of them are the same age. It's an easy match for relatability. And also just the two of them are, like you said, on the opposite sides of the same experience right now. Yeah. It's an interesting match. Chapter 10. Luke has a second place finish in the first race and a first place finish in the second race. And then Ben asks him, is it true Tenennial Joe? Let me try that name again. Ten, I, I don't know. I think I got it right. <laughs> yeah, because... <laughs> Is it true Tenennial Joe? Joe. Mario. Is it true that Tenel Ka's mom tried to force you to marry her? Luke says, if that's what you want to call it, marry. Wink. Doing yeah. it. Hot and humid. <laughs> Tried to force adjoining. Okay, so okay, so Tenelka's father almost married Leia. Tenelka's mother almost married Luke, so to speak. What babies would that have made in the universe in the Force? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Fascinating potential possible alternative universe. Yeah. Where like. Jason and Jaina stand-ins. Who someone's got to have the twins, right? It's like ordained almost. Yeah. Especially. Luke and Leia were twins. They someone's gonna have twins. So who does it? <laughs> Who's got the twins gene? Is it Leia or is it Luke? Wait, that's already obvious, isn't it? Because that you know it. So Leia, yeah. The point then is <laughs> just what would. Leia's twins be like if they were Chiss? And what would Luke's Ben be like if he was half Dathomiri instead of half half? Half <laughs> murder spy. Yeah. You know? It took it was really hard for me to get through those words, but my only point is that it's interesting. Yeah, it it'd be interesting to see um the the parallel like see the two universes running alongside each other see what's happening right right because then instead of tenennial joe <laughs> it's, so it's such like a fucking southern name <laughs> instead of bobby joe getting together with princess older would mara jade and han solo have found each other because if you think right, if you th- if you think about uh, Tenennial couldn't land Luke, Isolder couldn't land Leia, and then those two rejected parties found each other, mm-hmm. and then made a daughter for Jason to make another Jesus daughter with. I'm pretty sure, because Leia was gonna be her grandma no matter what. This thread is hard to follow. Hold on, so I'm getting weirder. All right, because. The two of them get rejected and get together. Yeah. So then Mara and Han get rejected and get together. What is that Tenel Ka baby 
<laughs> analogous uh, being. What is that? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking such bullshit. Because because Mara Jade is force sensitive, right? Yeah. So then Han still has force sensitive babies. Maybe they have the twins, and it's evil twins that try to kill Luke and Tenennial's child and Leia and Prince Isolde's child. Evil twins from rejected, spurned lovers. Okay, we've gone far enough. Yeah. We get the idea. <laughs> Rule the galaxy as a pair. Although, Han and Mara Jade's kid or kids, that would be a terrifying person to have to deal with. Yeah, it <laughs> would, wouldn't it? You're not mixing those genes with mild-mannered politician Leia Skywalker. No. Organa Solo, if you, if you may, if you please. Miss Jackson, if you nasty. <laughs> um, I forgot my point. Yeah. All right. You're mixing those genes with murder spy. Yeah. <laughs> Emperor's hand, super deadly murder spy. So like now I want to write a fan fiction of this alternate universe that I just created where the children of rejected Mara Jade and Han Solo, the twin children of them are dark Jedi trained by the Emperor's hand to kill Luke and Leia Skywalker and their individual, not twins, children's. That'd be fun. Or they both have twins. And it's two versus four. You got a year. I'm waiting to read it. What if, man? (laughs) Cut to Ben spying on Vistara with binoculars. Trying to see how evil she is, but how evil is she? She was, to Ben's increasing aggravation, like most teenage girls he had met. Nothing about her screamed Sith. She was not surrounded by a miasma of evil, not even by the sort of implacable drive and focus that had been characteristics of Jason Solo as he became darker. Ben wished intensely to find some personal reason to dislike the girl and couldn't. Why are we being told this to further foreshadow, project the fact that these two are going to form some kind of bond? Yeah, whether opposite sides, the same side. This is so a little rascals thing where he's like staring at her through the window, wanting to hate her guts because mm-hmm. they're children but yeah. he can't because he doesn't realize that he likes her or something you know what i mean like to whatever yeah. degree yeah, he's, he's like wow i really thought when i laid eyes on a true blood sith it would just be pure evil pure evil but in fact it's just a regular teenager who i've already said could have gotten a ship with her hot body yeah <laughs> He's uh, he's gonna be alfalfa <laughs> Sorry, sneaking that uh, girl into the clubhouse. Exactly right. It's yeah. like he's staring at her from a distance through these binoculars, wanting to hate her, and says, "But I couldn't." Yeah, there's nothing about her to hate at the moment. That is some simple foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. He's not doing that for no reason. Well, that's not you know like that's not written in there for nothing, but. That sounds like a rut row. (laughs) Bad news to me, Scoob. Never mind that. The Olympics are ongoing. And in the Olympics, Ben senses 
a malevolent force at work in the force. Turns out it's a bunch of deadly vipers being directed to kill certain men. Olympic winners, of course. The non-force using Olympic winners. Yes, the weaker men. Mm -hmm. The strongest of the weaker men. The men blame the women because slavery, in case that hasn't come up enough in this book. The women say, nah, and eventually everyone decides it must have been night sisters, which I totally thought <laughs> the force ladies that brought Luke and Ben and Leia and Han here were night sisters. I thought they were, were they not? I guess they were not. No, night sisters are like the, the dark Dathomiri force users, right? Like, like dark Jedi, but some of them are in the tribe yes because infiltrated tribeless shaw says they live among us in secret Ooh, ooh, spook you so apparently yes but no yeah um i actually think that one um that one lady that was being so really wanted to kill yeah antagonistic in the fight you mean or the one in the raining leaves tribe with vistara the the one in the fight with the rancors at okay. the beginning, the, yeah. Uh, their leader's sister, yeah. Or, oh, Oliana or whatever her name is. Might have been that name. It's yeah. a, it's the same same lady. Oh, you're right. Yeah, you're yeah. right. It is. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Then it is Oliana. Um. Yeah. She, the sister, mm-hmm. of this leader who invited Luke and Ben to be celebrity chaperones. Yeah. At the boy girl pop chips party. Although, they ain't popping chips. They popping <laughs> hips. Uh, (laughs) this book is hot and humid but yeah that lady was really in the whole fight like just kill them we should kill them kill them she was over aggressive over and above and beyond the rest of the people in her little clan that they were yeah and when they go and talk to vistara she's like all right that's it conversation over get out yeah yeah she's one of them which you you nailed it that's got to be right because when you connect the Sith thing to the dark Jedi sort of night sister yeah. thing, right? Like that's a good match. Yep. Oleana, the apparent night sister. Well, regardless of that interesting piece of information, I find this tribe uniting slash Olympics plot boring. It's not doing what I want. It's no. not advancing the story in the obvious way that I want. Yeah. Other than I, the, I, the Ben Vistara talking. That's, that's fun. About but it. even that's not doing what I want. I no. want Luke and Ben and Han and Leia to find the Sith. The group of them and Vistara. Like, get her under your control. control. Yeah. That doesn't sound the way I want, but like... No. She's, she needs to be your prisoner. Yeah. Okay. Also, that's not good either. I want them to do that. And I want them to figure out Abeloth. Yeah. None of that's happening with Luke and Ben and Vistara in the same place. All three of them have seen her and felt her. Mm-hmm. And it's like, did I lie? Did I not lie? No, no, no. Hey, what about the really literal, incredible thing that you've all encountered? How about that? Luke and Ben themselves don't talk about it. They haven't mentioned it to Han and Leia in the text. Vistara hasn't thought about it to herself. No. I wonder how the rest of my tribe is maybe trapped with that holy fucking thing. Yeah, that she is terrified of. 
She hasn't said it, but she is. But that's not happening here. We're fucking running races and having shooting contests. Suck it. Dorvin's office. Coruscant. <laughs> Slavery expert Jedi Sa'ar is meeting with Wyn Dorvin. And he falls asleep and wakes up in imposter mode. Yeah. Wyn Dorvin walks in the office and he's like talking. And then he looks at the Jedi and his head is down and he's sleeping. Yeah, he's like lightly snoring. Okay, that hasn't happened to any anybody else that's gone in imposter mode. So that could be an interesting wrinkle. Yeah. What if she's now got the power to just directly put people to sleep that she's... Now that she is uh, freed from that one planet. Yeah, and I don't know... I don't know what that would accomplish for her, but... Because that, that Jedi is of the the younger, like the same as the rest of them. But maybe yep. now she can just... You know what? I want this one to be flip over and flips a switch. The thing, the guy or girl just falls asleep for a second, wakes up, posture mode. Rather well, than know, the slow, right? insidious... Maybe. Or... I don't, I don't know. I don't know why he fell asleep. It's probably not even important. It's probably not, but... But... Jedi don't just fall asleep while waiting for a meeting, either. <laughs> not normally. So when Dorvin notices this man has gone in imposter mode, and Sa'ar escapes, Indiana Jones-style, as the blast doors are closing, reaches back, grabs his hat, he runs away at Jedi speed to God knows where. And I wonder if we'll hear this kid's name... When we go back further in the future and read the NJO books. I wonder if offhand, you know, Seothis Sear will just be a named child. I doubt it. But that wouldn't be hard to go back and lift a kid's name. Like a a nobody, right? Like a backgrounder. That wouldn't be hard to go look and pull it off and then you stick it in this book. Yeah, whether it's youngling or whatever right because then if, if like then... if you remember that name from the njo when you're reading this as he's in the jedi council giving his slavery report you go oh he's about to go nuts mm-hmm. i figured something was going to happen because we just got a new character with a new name yeah right? a new yeah. jedi <laughs> all like all the jedi that have been introduced red shirts red shirts red shirts i swear to god every time we get one with a new name that i've never heard of before i fear for their life yep because Cannon fodder. Well, where is he running to? Chapter 11. Jedi Sar runs into the not-fake Master Silgal out in the middle of the street because they've all been ordered away from the temple mm-hmm. while secret preparations for the Stealth X escape are underway. They don't want to draw any extra temp- attention by having too many Masters at the temple. She's just out getting out of a taxi or getting into one. One or the other. She's... At the entrance to the Senate building. Here, come, here comes Jedi Sire, and his escape ends rapidly. Very, very she, rapidly. She kicks his ass. Uh, a couple of lightsaber swings. She smashes him in the wall. He goes head to ground. The Murtagev special. Yep. And I kind of miss her in Boba Fett. Yeah. They had a very intense personal relationship arc between the two of them. That was like hard to look at, but... But it was like a car accident. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was fascinating, but difficult at the same time. And I, she's not dead. He's not dead. No. Where she, are they? She got I that injection. Them. So she's probably walking around somewhere. Not on Mandalore, though. No, neither one of them. So I wonder where they're at. 
And I wonder if this is a secret foreshadow of their return, dropping a man on his head on the cement. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it's not, but I missed That's the worst foreshadow ever. (laughs) Or it's fucking brilliant. If I pick that up, and I'm maybe the only one ever, okay? Chief of State's office, Coruscant. Dala is telling the Jedi to hand over new crazy, or else. Or else? Or else. Jedi Temple, Coruscant. Silgal puts Jaina in charge of getting Jedi Sar out of the mists. No, out into the mists. Thank you. Yes. Out to the mists. <laughs> she heads to the hangar to get that uh, to get a I don't know shuttle ready. Or yeah, whatever. where we yeah go ahead. There's a bunch of different shuttles, yeah. Lambda shuttles and whatever. Yeah, where we meet in the inside of this hangar, a nice. Mechanic lady who learned how to mechanic from her husband. Her name is Tyria Sarkintainer. And we get a little bit of backstory for her. And then Jaina reminds us she's supposed to go on the Stealth X mission. So kiss her goodbye. Yep. There's no way this to new to me <laughs> character gets dropped into a scene. We're given her name, full name. A little cute story between her and her husband that explains her skills, thus, you know, giving her a more well-rounded character. Yeah. And then we're told she's going on a dangerous mission to uncharted space. She'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. She's apparently a badass pilot, though, even by Jaina's standards. Yeah, that's true. And mechanic as well. Yep. Even by Jaina's standards, because Jaina's like, bitch, I am a mechanic. How dare you? Yeah. (laughs) But anyways, we get her name, we get a little background, and she interacts with the main character, so... I don't know. As soon as that happens, Jaina senses an imminent attack. (laughs) (laughs) And so she might not even make it to the stealth axis. Mandos invading the temple. How many books have we been talking about Dala hiring the Mandos? I think it was the last book where they got all the rest of the Jedis off. Han and Leia. Jedis. Oh, email me. Han and Leia (laughs) battled a bunch of backpack, jetpack, and Mandalorians out on the... On the sky bridge. Yeah. But here they come now, fully against the Jedi, into the temple. Yeah, in, like, a pretty good force Blowing of them, holes least. in the hangar doors to get into the temple. Yeah. Uh, at, at several points throughout the temple, numerous forces are invading. Yeah, it, lots of lots of forces from different access points. It's a points. massively coordinated attack. And they must have been planning it all this time that they've been sitting and waiting for Dala to give the order because they are executing this plan immediately. Yeah, because Dala talks to Win Dorvin saying, yeah, there will be consequences. Or else. <laughs> they have an hour. Yeah. An hour comes up. All right, send them in. Yeah, Jane is walking down the hallway. She gets that prickly feeling. Hopefully she knows exactly what tactics Mandalorians use on a raid. <laughs> hey, P.S. We don't just get one new named character here. We get a new apprentice mm-hmm. helping out. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Mandos blow the walls and flood in. Jaina begins to badass. She runs through rockets. She net reversal pendulum tosses a few Mandos. A flying head kick. She's got moves. But Tyria gets KO'd. The mechanic, yep. of course. Yep, pretty quick. And the apprentice is about to be Mando Mush. To a second invading force on the other side that Jaina can't help out with until fellow former bug, Raynar Thull, 
steps out of the turbo lift. Free at last. Thank you, Leia. <laughs> <laughs> into a fight. Uh, straight into a fight. And I think he out badasses the sword. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, I'm just imagining him sitting in his cell with the open door. He stretches like, you know what? I think it's time for me to get out of here. Yeah. And then... finally ready to return to the world. <laughs> the elevator doors open and the hallway is full of Mandalorians <laughs> trying to kill an apprentice. Yeah. But seriously, I really do think that he badasses her. He doesn't he doesn't run through the rockets. He grabs a Mandalorian's hand and shoots her rockets at her own friends. Yeah. Extra badass. Then he gets his arm crush gaunted. Yep. Bad. Smashed into pieces for sure. Yeah, right? like arm forearms got to be dust inside there. Yeah. Oh. He also oh. gets hit by shrapnel, partially lit on fire, which he already has been lit on fire, as he tells us he's covered in well maintained and and surgically altered burn scars. And he causes the Mandos to hesitate for a minute when they first see him because he, he's, he's covered so in gruesome. Scars. Yeah. He's he is badass. a frightful presence, if you will. Yeah. In D&D parlance. Ooh, another good word. He gets his arm crushed, gaunted to bits, but still pulls off not one head kick as lame Jaina Solo did. <laughs> a triple spinning head kick. And then he repeatedly slams another Mandalorian up and down into the ground until they go unconscious, <laughs> even though they are wearing a boat's worth of armor. Yeah. So, <laughs> Jaina steps up and shines, and then Raynar Thull comes back into the story for the first time since being involved in the Kill It Crisis. Yeah. And he just goes to 11. <laughs> yeah. And I wonder if at the end of this, he doesn't just go back into the elevator back down to the, the <laughs> medical floor, back into his cell, and just shut the door behind <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, God. It was... This is so good, though. This this scene with the, the Mandos invading and everybody kicking their ass and, and all that, and all the, the technology, the Mandos are like, you know, they're different little go-go gadgets that they've got going on mm -hmm. to battle the Jedi specifically, and... This is a good this is a good action scene and also not for nothing, Raynar Thal, I want to point this out. When he, as you said, is creeping all the Mandos out with his burnt ass face, he says, I am Jedi Thal. Yes, he does. Why is that significant? Because he does not say we, we. are anything he doesn't bug talk yeah he really is that much better you know what i mean yeah he's back to maybe not himself but a new version of himself uh, yeah right not a version uh, that something else wanted him to be mm -hmm. a, a, a genuine version of himself i just thought that was very nice that was really i don't know if that line was intentionally striking but it got it it caught my attention I'm I, sure. He said, I. <laughs> Whoa. Alemerar did not do that at all. She never got to the I stage. And yeah, you better wink <laughs> at me. Flash them eyebrows. Because yeah. I remembered her name. 
I just, I thought this scene was really good, man. In the end, though, ultimately, the Mandalorian assault fails to retrieve crazy Jedi Sar. But now the Jedi can't leave to help Luke secretly. Oh. And Hamner, Kip, Thull, and Jaina are all wanted for arrest now. No big deal. Yeah. um, I'm not because they didn't hand over what's his name fast enough. Because they were attacked. What they said, uh, I think it was just one little throwaway line, was they're all wanted now because they were caught. They're the only people that Dala could see on the film of like either from the Jedi Temple or from the Mando body cam type of thing. Yeah. Those are the the main figures that were seen fighting back against the Mandos who were legally coming in to retrieve a prisoner via request of the chief of state. You know what I mean? Like there was no warrant. Nope. But maybe you don't always need one if it's an emergency demand. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like her logic is you guys are, what's that word? What is that specific legal phrase where you are interfering with justice? Like you are like aiding and abetting obstructing, obstructing the law. (laughs) And I am the law. I am the Dala. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. That's a bad joke. But Judge seriously, Dredd. one more time. This scene was great. That was amazing. Great, great action in Jaina's hallway with her Mandos and the knocked out friend and the Jedi apprentice in the other hallway who didn't get killed because Raynar Thul showed up out of nowhere. I was not thinking about that guy at all. I was waiting for this kid to get murdered. Oh, yeah. For sure. As I said. We just named a red shirt and then stuck them on the other side of the fight all by themselves, right? Yeah, and especially because they, they they, said, hey, go and do this. Do this job. Yeah. And then he didn't. He went where he shouldn't have and ended up with five Mandos in front of him. Whoopsie. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I really like, too, is that we're getting across this series so far zero space combat. Oh, yeah. Right. Very little yeah han escaping with alana fighting off the ga security which is a no casualties engagement luke and ben getting a rocket shot at them <laughs> yeah by a, float, by a floaty guy low mode yeah not a lot of in-ship combat but we're getting tons of this close quarters eye-to-eye hand-to-hand combat yeah we we get it here with the mandos and the jedi in the temple Mm-hmm. We get it with Luke and the not night sisters, I guess. <laughs> you know, Ben and Han and Leia in the in the gorge or whatever in the at the end. Yeah, of the, the canyon or whatever canyon. Uh, we get it with in the last book with Luke and Vistara and her master fighting literally nose to nose with lightsabers. Yeah, in like an elevator. Right, and like every in physical violent encounter that we've had has been face to face. Yeah. Quick, brutal, and like really high energy and very personal. And just for Star Wars specifically, which does every movie open with a space battle or ships firing at each other? Pretty close. I'm pretty sure, you know, roughly. For That's such a staple of Star Wars. We've now gone 
four and a half books without having really any space combat at all. Uh, the last series, Legacy of the Force, tons. There's space everywhere. Tons of fighting in space because it was a galactic civil war. But this is all like low-key spy insurgency type of shit. Mm-hmm. Vistara is hidden among the among the reigning leaves. Abeloth is hidden in the Maw. The Sith are hidden out on Kashiri. The Jedi are hidden away in the temple. Luke is in exile. Like, everything is insular and isolated. Yeah. And the combat and the violence, uh, the uh, encounters, whatever you want to call them, yeah. are, like you said, very much reflective of that. Yeah, relatively Brutal. just as insulated as they're not taking place over kilometers it's or even like large meter. groups of people yeah like what this did we is, have eight sith and two jedi was the biggest fight so far yeah, this was 10 mandos and a couple of there jedi, like but spread out max. right in separate and two separate segments. like areas yeah well four or five separate segments if you think about hamner's wanted for arrest for resisting the mandos that's that was a totally different level yeah same thing with kip right i don't know but I am loving these close-up close, close up action scenes. Are These are really a different flavor, man. Yeah. I, I want some shoot 'em up in space, too. And I'm sure that will happen at some point. Mm-hmm. But this is nice. Chapter 12. Dathomir Spaceport. Alana heads off to save R2. But this time, she tells 3PO. Wow. Communication. Mm-hmm. New generation, new tactics. There's new a reason rules. why she's going to lead the galaxy to happiness and prosperity. Communication. For example, new tactics. She sets a fire outside the mechanic shop. Yep. That's new. <laughs> I haven't seen a lot of Jedis committing arson. <laughs> Not even her crazy aunt who's passed away. Anyway, she sets fire outside the mechanic shop. And then she sneaks in to de-blanket R2-D2, who she saw in there previously when she was spying, on top of the barrels that she's now lit on fire. She finds him to be restraining bolted when she sneaks in there. Action ensues. The mechanic Monarg catches her. She blinds him with hot coffee as two shadows sneak into the shop. Her cat gets beat up. That was sad. That was not cool. No, I did. It <laughs> hits her on the desk a couple of times. But and... such a like such a staple of a threatening child's scene. Yeah, the pet gets hurt, right? The cat, the cat gets smashed up. Alana gets caught again, and so at the end of all this madness of running around. Dodging droids, stealing tools, trying to pry R2's restraining bolt off while hiding underneath the blanket with him, hoping the hoping the blind mechanic who's been has has an eye patch, and now you've blinded him further with coffee, but he has a telescoping eye that shoots out from under the eye patch, <laughs> hoping he doesn't see you. At the end of all this madness, this child's race around him a, a fucking china shop, trying not to make noise. A hero speaks up. I say, I think you should unhand the little girl. If you do not, I will be forced to thrash you. Yeah. This is a terrible superhero entrance line, okay? 
it sounds like as like in movies uh upper end i know i can beat you up british dude walks in yeah or it's like a bad superman impression like unhand him you dirty villain uh, (laughs) or or i'll be forced to or it's like it's like a it's like robocop or something you know yeah you step in with the one-liner action hero one-liner it's pretty it's okay it's all right it's pretty good but for a child's chase scene this in the mechanic shop with alana and monarch and r2d2 and his little mechanic droids who keep ratting her out yeah. <laughs> and pointing at her because she stole their tools shop and stuff like that it was fun and it was crazy and it was hectic but it was not threatening or worrisome at all no because even though she gets caught by the wrist twice i had absolutely zero belief that aaron alston del Rey books or the Star Wars franchise were about to hurt an eight-year-old girl yeah. on screen. Yeah, we're definitely not In, about to. I, that just isn't gonna happen, right? No. So with these Alana scenes, you kind of have to take it for what it is. You know, it's more meant to be a fun and wacky, wild development for her. Yeah, her growth. Yeah, it's not meant to. It's meant to be her growth, not her eminent threatening death right yeah. <laughs> we're building her we're not trying to put her in situations where she's gonna get her head cut yeah off. she's not a nameless apprentice <laughs> even though you might still get saved by Raynar thal at the end of the at the end of the day though with this with this scene it was so fun yeah it, it, like there there is certain tension in the scene although it might not be you know, life-threatening tension. There is the two shadows that sneak into the shop. Mm-hmm. And Alana's like, maybe I did or maybe I didn't see a tall man shadow and a slender woman shadow. Obviously, we know. Zek and... Oh, fuck. What's his and girlfriend's name? Did Taryn? Taryn. Taryn Zell. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Spiky blonde hair, rides a hoverboard. Got it. <laughs> Confiscated. <laughs> <laughs> That's the dickest move, by the way, in any Final Fantasy game I've ever seen in my life. A character shows up on a flying skateboard, and at the very beginning of the game, you take that away and never give it back. Yeah, and he's like, he he's one of the elite fighting forces, and they take it from him. Well, because the principal said, give me your skateboard, son. Yeah, and he's supposed to be setting an example. See... Setting an example is a dangerous line to walk. What kind of example are you going to set? Are you going to set the example of the babysitter who maybe doesn't leave the Millennium Falcon to come and find Alana? Because C-3PO never shows up. Never showed. She's waiting for him the whole time. Are you going to set the example of four, six, eight-year-old girl who lights a mechanic's shop on fire? Some barrels out behind it. But, you know, as a grown-up would know, easily spreads. Mm Mm-hmm. I was actually afraid that was going to get out of hand. When I first read it, I was like, oh no. Or, are you going to walk the line of the sneaky, hidden babysitter who gets to walk out with a cool action hero line? Let me just finish this scene up with a little question. Who do you think was saying the action hero line, Tim? Oh, that, that sounded more... The Hapen. That was Terran. That was, that was Terran, Terran for, sure. for sure. Yeah. For sure. I just... I didn't... 
it you, you know the kid's not in danger. Yeah, she's not going to die. I don't believe they're going to hurt this eight-year-old. They did call back the trash compactor, though. Oh, you're right. Yeah, they did. He did threaten to throw her Monarch in a trash compactor. Monarch says, I'm going to throw you in a trash compactor because you'll come back and tell on me at some point. But I don't think they'll hurt her. No. Or will they? Will R2 be freed? Will 3PO ever get there? Will Luke win the Olympics? Where is Zek? We know. Find out next week when we cover Fate of the Jedi. Book four, Backlash, chapters 13 through 16. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. Join the Secret Babysitters Club. Wait, what? No, no, the the math in my head. (laughs) For any comments and questions, you can hit us up at forevercanonpodcast at gmail.com. Forever Canon Podcast is a Jay Plazer production. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Jay Plazer. Check us out.